Coming up on We Talk News this week, another historic vote in the U.S. House of Representatives. The MORE Act is moving closer to federal cannabis legalization, or is it? Plus, more delays for licensing in New Jersey and Michigan as we get our state-by-state reports from coast to coast on We Talk News with Elena Pinto next. We are pro-cannabis media. Hi, everyone. Welcome to We Talk News. I'm Elena Pinto reporting for Pro Cannabis Media. The votes are in and federal cannabis reform is getting the green light, at least from the House of Representatives. The House just voted on the MORE Act, a bill to federally legalize cannabis. The House Rules Committee added several amendments to the bill this week, but it would remove marijuana from the list of federally controlled substances promote equity in the industry, and impose a federal tax on marijuana products. The bill now heads to the Senate, where we'll have to see if Democrats can work their magic to make it law. Also in the nation's capital, President Joe Biden is again proposing to keep blocking Washington, D.C. from legalizing marijuana sales as part of the budget proposal he sent to Congress on Monday. But he did keep a separate rider intact to protect legal medical cannabis programs from federal intervention. So let's check in with Vote Pro podcast Phil Adams for more from Washington, D.C. this week. Hi, I'm Phil Adams from Vote Pro Podcast, here with the Weed Talk News DC Report. A Republican member of the Congressional Cannabis Caucus says he intends to vote against the Moore Act. Though a strong advocate for ending the federal prohibition on cannabis, Representative Dave Joyce of Ohio told his colleagues in a letter this week why he does not support the cannabis reform bill as it's been drafted. Among several reasons for opposing the bill, Joyce said, quote, any effort on cannabis reform must have substantial bipartisan support. He asserted that the Moore Act in its current form would not garner that kind of support. Joyce cited the lack of a responsible regulatory framework, as well as the wording of certain equity provisions of the bill, as reasons why many of his GOP colleagues would not be on board. He remains willing, however, to work with leadership to refine the bill. $8.1 billion. That's how much additional tax revenue the federal government would collect over the next decade with implementation of the MORE Act, according to the Congressional Budget Office. The CBO issued its costing report as the House begins floor debate this week on the Marijuana Opportunity Reinvestment and Expungement Act. In addition to a strong positive impact on federal revenues, the report also estimates a cost savings of about $800 million from reduced incarcerations for federal cannabis offenses. On the spending side, the MORE Act would require about $344 million in additional spending for federal benefits to restore the rights of those who have been criminalized for using cannabis. While one Capitol Hill office is estimating the benefits of ending the federal cannabis prohibition, another is enumerating the problems created by maintaining it. A report issued this week by the Congressional Research Service says the Schedule One status means people can still be federally prosecuted for cannabis, which gives rise to a host of other issues. Universities, for example, 
risk losing federal funding by allowing cannabis research at their facilities. Many financial institutions remain reluctant to openly serve cannabis businesses, and an individual's eligibility for such things as housing and food assistance, visas, gun ownership, and employment are also at risk. Referencing the options available for addressing these issues, the CRS notes, quote, Congress and the administration have the ability to alter marijuana status as a Schedule One substance. That's the Weed Talk News DC report for this week. I'm Phil Adams from Vote Pro Podcast. While the federal government may be dragging its feet on banking reform, the lawmakers of Pennsylvania aren't waiting any longer. This week, a Pennsylvania Senate Banking and Insurance Committee unanimously approved a bipartisan bill to safeguard banks and insurers against being penalized by state regulators for working with state legal medical marijuana businesses. Claudia Post has a closer look in this week's Pennsylvania Report. I'm Claudia Post from Scarlet Express, and I'm here in the Keystone State, Pennsylvania, reporting for Weed Talk News. A Pennsylvania bill meant promote research into the therapeutic potential of psilocybin mushrooms for certain mental health conditions may be in jeopardy. A key House committee member has shifted course due to an overdose death in her district, allegedly involving magic mushrooms. Of course, she can inform herself about anything about the mushrooms because Mushrooms have a very low toxicity rate. Secondly, the bill would not legalize psilocybin. A growing body of research suggests that psilocybin administered in controlled settings may be the most efficacious tool to combat the mental health crisis. Congressional lawmakers on both sides of the aisle are already filing proposed amendments to laws that would federally legalize marijuana. The Marijuana Opportunity Reinvestment and Expungement Act, otherwise known as the Moore Act, passed the House in 2020, but did not advance to the Senate. Leadership confirmed last week that the House would hold a vote again on this measure. Here in Pennsylvania, Connor Lamb, who is positioning himself to run for governor, is a representative in the Congress. He is suggesting several changes. The first would require the National Institute of Occupational Safety and Health to conduct a study on the impact of the legalization of recreational cannabis in the workplace. The second would mandate that the Secretary of Education conduct a study on how it affects schools and school-aged children. And the third would maintain enhanced federal penalties for distributing more than legally permitted. I'm very confused by this because REC is legal in so many other places. Why in Pennsylvania do we always have to reinvent the wheel? Meanwhile, advocates and stakeholders are eagerly awaiting the formal introduction of the separate Senate legalization bill. The Pennsylvania Senate Committee approved a bipartisan bill to safeguard banks and insurers against being 
penalized by state regulators because they are working with illegal medical marijuana businesses. While there's federal guidance in place for banks and insurers that choose to work with legal cannabis businesses, they are not immunized by federal law because of course we all know it, it remains a federally controlled substance, which puts banks and other regulators, insurers in jeopardy. The situation that has many financial institutions reluctant to take on clients in our industry. Of course, as we see, it is being discussed and which is a great thing. That's a wrap from Pennsylvania. I'm Claudia Post from Scarlet Express and I'll be back next week to talk about what's hot and what's not in Pennsylvania. So from We Talk News, have a fabulous week. MSO True Leave is getting ready to open its third shop in Massachusetts with some fanfare for its unveiling too. The company is partnering with Survivor Africa winner and cancer survivor Ethan Zahn to help open the new dispensary in Framingham, which promises customers the feel of an Apple store with a hint of Willy Wonka's chocolate factory. So that should be fun. Ron Marshall C has more in this week's Massachusetts Report. I'm Ron Marshall C with the Massachusetts Cannabis Report for Weed Talk News. The Auto Mile and Route 1 in Norwood is known for the amazing stretch of car dealerships all along the route, with over 10 within a mile or so. The Marijuana Mile in Framingham is known for having three dispensaries within a mile, including Nova Farms and Sunnyside. In fact, there are seven dispensaries along the same route, just a little further apart. Both Reddy in Newton and Comcan in Southborough are part of this cannabis route. However, when it comes to the actual marijuana mile, there will soon be a fourth dispensary added to the area, with True Leave opening their third location in Massachusetts. Their Framingham showroom will offer a fresh, spacious, contemporary look with elegant finishes. On Monday, they had a media day at this location, and I was able to chat with Chief Marketing Officer of True Aleve, Valda Coriat, about what makes True Aleve different from the other dispensaries on the Marijuana Mile, as well as what makes this location different than the other two True Aleve have in Massachusetts. I'm sure everyone here is really trying to make sure that we, you know, uh, cater to the consumer base that's here. But True Leaf certainly has a 100% uh, return policy and making sure that what we have in terms of a product assortment really does meet the full spectrum of customer that's out there and needs that they have. Our Framingham location is an elevated experience. This is not just, you know, you pop in and, you know, order a product. I mean, you come here when you want to really feel um, the experience of cannabis, to learn a little something as well. So if you're looking for a really curated, unique experience, then you come to Truly. This new location is updated so that customers can truly browse and have an interactive experience with the cannabis products they are looking to buy. The entire True Leaf team is just waiting for the commence operations notice from the state's Cannabis Control Commission before it can begin serving customers in Framingham, but it expects to have its grand opening in the coming days. That's this week's Massachusetts Cannabis Report. For Weed Talk News, I'm Ron Marshallsey. Bay State Cannabis Report is supported by Holyoke Cannabis, Holyoke's finest cannabis recreational experience.
the Vermont Cannabis Control Board has officially launched its pre-qualification process for prospective cannabis license holders. And already in the first week, the state is nearing the 500 mark for interested applicants. Jesse Lynn Dolan has much more in this week's Vermont Report. I'm Jesse Lynn Dolan from Nurse Grown Organics and Vermont Cannabis Nurses, and this is the Weed Talk News Vermont Report. The Vermont Cannabis Control Board opened its doors for pre-qualification applications and has received over 420 applications to date, including applications for testing facilities, all three tiers of product manufacturers, and numerous cultivators. Vermont has not seen a lot of progress in cannabis legislation this session. So far, only one cannabis-related bill has become law. H701 sets licensing fees for cannabis establishments as well as for patients, caregivers, and medical dispensaries. It also gives outdoor cannabis cultivators some indoor growing capacity to keep seedlings, clones, and mother plants inside for winter. Additionally, H701, now Act 86, sets three tiers of manufacturers ranging from industrial level extractors to home-based businesses for making edibles or pre-rolls. On a more action-oriented note, cannabis grassroots advocates are working on a petition to remove the THC caps in Act 164 that are set at 60% for concentrates and 30% for flour. On April 7th, Emma Rose of Rosie's Confections will be holding a free online workshop exploring the relationship between chocolate and cannabis. April 11th, Essex Junction will be voting to allow cannabis retailers in the community, and on April 13th, the town of Castleton will be holding a revote. That's the Vermont Report for Weed Talk News. I'm Vermont's cannabis nurse, Jessie Lynn Dolan. Also in the Northeast, RIV Capital has announced an agreement to acquire ownership and control of Etane, owners and operators of legally licensed cannabis cultivation and retail dispensaries in the state of New York. So could the Empire State be seeing the state of a corporate cannabis takeover? Well, a new poll from Siena University finds 54% of New Yorkers oppose giving the first batch of the state's adult use cannabis licenses to social equity applicants. Governor Kathy Hochul remains firm in her stance, saying that giving the first licenses to the social equity cohort, quote, takes a major step forward in righting the wrongs of the past. And next door in New Jersey, delays in ruling out the state's adult use marijuana market are being criticized heavily. Lawmakers are now discussing a special legislative committee to explore the issue through oversight hearings. With that, we welcome our new correspondent, Jill Goldsbury, with this week's New Jersey Report. Hey guys, it's Jill Goldsbury here with the New Jersey Report for We Talk News. And if you were hoping, like most of us were, that the adult use of cannabis market would be open by now, well, you're going to be a little disappointed. Because here's the tea on that. State Senate President Nicholas Scutari is looking for answers from the New Jersey Cannabis Regulatory Board, Regulatory Commission, actually. At a hearing this week, the Senator surprised many anxious licensees when he rejected the already existing applications for adult use from the medical community. Go figure. Well, and to make matters worse, the Cannabis Commission announced this week that the state is actually lacking 100,000 pounds of marijuana that was expected to fill the shelves 
of the medical and adult use market. So the Senate, so Senator Skatari has called for another hearing on the shortage for April 11th. We'll be reporting on that April 12th, guaranteed. And the Cannabis Regulatory Commission did not respond to emails seeking clarity on why 100,000 pounds of marijuana is missing. Well, okay, not missing, there's a shortage, but you guys get what I'm saying. So Governor Phil Murphy is currently hoping that this will be resolved very soon and it will be ready for the April launch. But if not, we're gonna miss that. We're gonna miss that due date here in New Jersey. And it looks like that's what's gonna happen. So as of now, that's the news. We're waiting, there are delays. And that's what's happening in the New Jersey Cannabis Report for We Talk News. And I'm Jill Goldsberry. The fight for safe cannabis business remains a battle in Washington state. One company says employing armed security guards and installing a man trap door system at each shop have now become necessities to ward off violent thieves. And now the State Liquor and Cannabis Board is planning to host an online roundtable to hear directly from cannabis retailers, state leaders, and law enforcement. Josh Kincaid takes a closer look in this week's Washington State Report. I'm Josh Kincaid from the Talking Hedge with the Washington State Cannabis Report for Weed Talk News. It's April, which means 420 is right around the corner. Here's some of the numbers and what to expect. 420 has been the single biggest day of sale each year and every year since the recreational cannabis market began. And looking at previous 420s using headsets data, we see that the average daily sales during the week of 420 has steadily increased since 2016 with a 31% increase in sales during the week of 420. The increase is driven by more transactions, simply more people shopping during the 420 holidays. For example, total basket volume in Canada increased last year by 52% on 420 and 86% in the U.S. compared to the previous four weeks. There has been some significant shifts in cannabis category trends that can impact shopping habits on this year's 420 holidays. The majority of bun tenders I speak to, uh, between two-thirds and 90% prefer flour over all other product categories, for example. In fact, the U.S. flour market share has dropped over the last year to 41%, yet pre-rolls, vape pens, edibles, and all had a, uh, a noteworthy increase in market share. So let us know what your favorite way is to consume. Let us know in the comments. But with that, we're going to have to roll up this Washington State Cannabis Report. I'm Josh Kincaid from the Talking Hedge reporting for Weed Talk News. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe, or don't. And I'm out. At least one California city is looking to possibly ease rules on consumption. San Francisco has established new procedures for the Office of Cannabis to issue permits authorizing cannabis sales or consumption or both in connection with temporary events in the city. For more happening in the Golden State this week, Christopher Smith has our California report. Greetings from the most excellent left coast. This is the California Roundup for Weed Talk News. If you have a cannabis company in California, I hope you've got your licensing paperwork in order because March 31st, or yesterday, was the deadline for retailers, distributors, manufacturers, delivery operations, and most cultivators to either have a provisional license or their annual license in place. There's an exception for small-scale growers with less than 22,000 square feet of canopy and some, uh, some social equity licensees. The deadline is the first of several facing the legal California marijuana industry as provisional licenses are going to be phased out over the next few years. Now, if you're cool, you can listen to this next story. 
If you're cool enough to enjoy the cold PBR in a can, that is. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, ask Jimmy Young. He's cool enough to tell you. PBR stands for Pabst Blue Ribbon, the old school blue collar brand that's made a huge comeback in the last couple of years. Pabst is now so cool, it's opening up a cool new venture called Pabst Labs. Pabst Labs is opening a cutting edge manufacturing facility and distribution center for its cannabis infused seltzer in Desert Hot Springs, California. The company describes the new facility as one of the few dedicated to cannabis beverage facilities in America, which would give the company more than triple its current production capabilities. The facility will produce its 10 milligram THC non-alcohol high seltzer, not your father's cannabis infused root beer, and the St. Ives cannabis product line, which includes their 100 milligram cannabis infused four ounce shots. Start low and go slow, even if you're cool. And speaking of cannabis and cool, the city of San Francisco is hosting a nine-day cannabis-themed event on both sides of the 420 holiday this year called Evergreen San Francisco. Evergreen San Francisco will involve special promotions from several dozen cannabis companies and dispensaries and lounges around the city, immersive experiences including a 420-themed scavenger hunt, and historical tours uh, celebrating the Bay Area's history of cannabis activism. And who's beside, and who is behind this? The city's Tourism Bureau. Even the Chamber of Commerce is supportive. Rodney Fong, who's the executive director of the chamber says, the cannabis industry is as iconic to San Francisco as the Golden Gate Bridge, cable cars, and Fisherman's Wharf. So beat that, Big Apple. And I'm Christopher Smith, publisher of the American Cannabis Report. I'm bringing you legal news, Paps Blue Ribbon Cool, and Evergreen San Francisco for Weed Talk News. Just three months after Malta became the first country in the EU to federally legalize recreational cannabis, this week, the spotlight is on the country yet again for similar reasons. The country hosted the Microdose and MedCan World Forum, which highlighted Malta for quickly becoming the leader in the European medical cannabis and psychedelics fields. So with that, here's Stephen Arthur George with this week's European Report. I'm Stephen Arthur George with SAG Advisory Services in Lisbon, Portugal. This is the European Cannabis Report for Weed Talk News. Europe to add 100,000 more medical cannabis patients in 2022. The Prohibition Partners just released their new research report on the European medical cannabis industry yesterday. They estimate that another 100,000 patients will have first-time access to medical cannabis in 2022. This would increase the overall patient population in Europe to roughly 350,000 individuals. Over in the Netherlands, the Dutch adult use program is stalled again. The program was meant to launch back in 2020. It was delayed until 2022 and has now been delayed again until 2023. Some of the problems, they need to find two more of the 10 cultivators and some of the cultivators already are having issues with banking. Sounds like the U.S., no? Well, down in Malta, they're going to host the first Plant Medicine Week in April from the 5th into the 8th. 
The event will be focused around the advancement of plant medicine. They will also be discussing the new adult regulations in Malta. And finally, as in the States, psychedelics will be discussed as well. That's the European Cannabis Report. I'm Stephen Arthur George with SAG Advisory Services, reporting for Weed Talk News. And finally, Pabst Blue Ribbon, known for its red, white, and blue cans of booze, are now focused on a THC-infused version of its beverage. Pabst Labs shook up the cannabis beverage space last fall when it debuted Pabst Blue Ribbon High Seltzer. Well, now the company is springing another surprise on its customers with the announcement of its new line of 10 milligram seltzers coming in flavors like the company's original lemon, strawberry kiwi, raspberry, and mango all coming just in time for the summer. So while PBR may be the underdog of beer, it looks like they could be flying high in this industry. After all, it's a whole new world of weed out there. And remember to use it wisely. I'm Elena Pinto for Pro Cannabis Media, and we'll see you next time. Cannabis Media Programming is available live and on demand on our Facebook page at ProCanna Media, on Instagram at ProCannabis Media, on LinkedIn also at ProCannabis Media, on YouTube and YouTube Live on ProCannabis Media, Twitter at ProCanna Media, and on twitch.tv backslash ProCannabis Media. So like, share, and subscribe to all of our content, newsletters, and shows live or on demand. We are pro-cannabis media. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hi, it's Justin Benton, host of the Miracle Plant Podcast, where we discuss this miracle plant that goes by so many names and how it's helping people in so many extraordinary ways. So if you love this plant and you want to hear a story that tugs on those heartstrings and learn more about this plant, then head on over to the Miracle Plant Podcast. You'll be glad you did.